This is the Podium Finish Live on WSBU-FM, the Buzz 88.3. From Austin, Texas, and various points across the country, here's your host, Rob Johnson. And a good, good day to everybody listening in on WSBU-FM, the Buzz 88.3. Thanks again for tuning in to the third episode of The Podium Finish Live. It is an exciting show, and we can't get start, wait to get started on this. I'm your host, Rob T. Onksen, a motorsports journalist based out of Austin, Texas. And it's just going to be the most exciting hour of racing talk here on St. Bonaventure's radio station, the Buzz 88.3 WSBU. And also, we're going to have this on major streaming platforms like Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So we're just so excited. We are literally going to record this show right now, just after the NASCAR Cup Series Championship race that just concluded at Phoenix Raceway. So a bit of a more recent version of TPF Live compared to the first two shows where we recorded it uh, in advance of the race weekends. Well, it's the first post-race version. So this might be kind of a midday program, but it's going to sound like a lot like a, a Sunday night uh, post NFL game type of show. And I'm just so excited that we're going to just get rolling along with this. So like I said, this is a very special edition of the Podium Finish Live because we are literally recording this moments after the NASCAR Cup Series finale at Phoenix. And our reactions are going to be quite fresh and really focused on the championship weekend at Phoenix. So we all wanted to say congratulations to Ben Rhodes, Daniel Hemrick, and Kyle Larson on respectively winning the Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup Championships. Congratulations again also to Thor Sport Racing, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Hendrick Motorsports. They're going to go into the offseason feeling cr- pretty, pretty good. And uh, I would say the drivers as well are feeling really well and happy as well. So it's, been, it's such a great feat for these drivers and these teams. First-time champions. Uh, for one driver, it, they saved the best for last in terms of getting their first win. And as for the other two drivers, it's just a crowning achievement in their amazing seasons. And speaking of amazing, I'm going to introduce you to my amazing co-host tonight, or today rather. Um, so of course, like with every show for TPF Live, I've got my amazing wingman and my kind of crew chief, like Cliff Daniels here, Nathan Solomon, who I'm going to be introducing here very shortly. And we also have a special, special guest um, who's joining us as well. And she's a member of the TPF community. Um, Her name is Jasmine Sharp. And she's kind of a sim racing ally and a Pokemon trainer in in waiting, trying to get badges. But first, I'm going to introduce you to Nathan. So Nathan, we are literally just wrapped up the Cup Series uh, finale at at Phoenix. So our reactions are just going to be quite all over the place, but fun. I want to get your thoughts on what happened tonight. Yeah, I mean, what, first off, what, not just what a race, but what, what, a, what a championship weekend. I mean, three awesome races, um, three well-deserved champions. Uh, to, but uh, it's about today's cup race. So, I mean, that was a very exciting race. And I'm willing to argue that that was probably the most exciting race of the, of the three championship races. I mean, all four championship drivers had, you know, they had the four best cars out there and, you know, they're all a little bit different out there, but uh, it, it made some for, for very exciting racing, uh, very exciting strategy. Uh, so congrats, Kyle Larson. For sure. And 
kind of raising a bottle of water to say congratulations to Hendrick Motorsports. Um, and we'll definitely talk about him here in a moment, as well as that, that pit crew that delivered on that clutch pit stop. Um, and speaking of clutch, we're going to head over to Jazz or Jasmine. I want to get your thoughts and also introduce you to the uh, St. Bonaventure fans who are listening in. Good afternoon slash morning slash evening, everyone. Wow, 2021 has been incredible to say the least. We have three incredible winners from three different teams too, to say the least. I, I'm not going to lie, this entire season has just been full of shocks and twists and turns that I don't, I haven't, I wasn't anticipating, I'm not going to lie, and it's just been a refreshing breath. I want to say congratulations to all three champs. Yes, I also agree with you, Rob, that the pit crew for the five team from Larson, that that pit stop was incredible to see. Is incredible for them to be able to jump up to the front the way that they did. I think that really did help them secure secure the win. So, yeah. It was an amazing, amazing teamwork victory and championship. And it just seems so fitting just because, and I've talked about this with Nathan on previous shows, it just feels like Larson's victories have certain themes. I mean, he's flat out dominated and crushed the competition. Sometimes he's needed the help of his pit crew, like we saw at the Charlotte Railville race weekend. And in other cases, it's been a combination of both. But I think today, I mean, he had a decent car. He drove a decent race. But that pit crew delivered when they needed to with their second fastest pit stop of the entire year. It's a long season for these, these pit crews. They're the wear and tear of going over the wall, trying to perfect these pit stops like a synchronized swimmer or, or like a, a band that's doing these music videos and trying to hit the right steps. It's incredible. I mean, I've watched it in person over the years, and this has to be the most definitive team victory I've seen in my 30 years of being uh, a racing enthusiast in my 13 years covering NASCAR. So just incredible stuff. And we're going to definitely talk about that for sure uh, here in a little bit. But for those of you who are listening into the Podium Finish Live for the first time or for the third time, and if it's the third time, thank you for supporting us. Uh, it's, you know, it's a morning drive talk show or an afternoon talk show, depending on what time you listen. So we'll talk about various topics in the form of podium perspectives, kind of like a uh, PTI type of style where we're going to talk about certain topics, recent happenings in NASCAR. And then tonight's show, unlike the other two shows, it's going to be an extended version of podium perspectives just because there's a lot of perspectives we got to talk about um, mm -hmm. for the trucks, Xfinity and Cup Series finales and seasons. So we'll try to cover as much as we can here in the hour. And also, too, we have a pretty cool hot seat interview that Nathan worked on recently. And I will let him talk about that when we get to that part of the show. And then also, too, for those of you to, who listen in on WSBU 88.3 FM, The Buzz, you'll know that we play music on this program. Uh, to do the pauses but for the podcast version it's just straight up talking so either way you get the best experience possible as a racing fan music fan or both so all right folks now that you've heard how the podcast is like let's head over to segment number one which is going to dominate the entire program podium perspectives <laughs> And welcome back, everybody, to the Podium Finish Live here on WSBU 88.3 The Buzz. 
and on major streaming platforms. Again, I'm your host, Rob T. Ogson. I'd like to welcome you back for these, this most extensive part of the show, because episode three is going to talk about championships. So we're going to delve into what happened in Phoenix and throughout the racing season. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what just happened on Sunday evening. Of course, the NASCAR Cup Series Championship race that just concluded at Phoenix. We saw Kyle Larson crowned as a NASCAR Cup Series champion. It's been quite the story that we've covered extensively on the podium finish. We've talked about it on TPF Live on a few occasions as well, but it's really the most validating type of season in which dominance pays off and we're not going to have to talk about the legitimacy of a playoff format or the one race for, uh, format that a lot of folks have sometimes digressed about on different platforms. But we're going to talk about Larson's championship and how the number five team pretty much um, delivered when they needed to. So I'm going to start with Nathan and then we'll get to Jasmine's thoughts here. So I know, Nathan, you kind of opened the program talking about Larson's championship and how this was one of the better season finales, but um, what's your overall thoughts on Larson winning the cup championship? Uh, yeah, super happy for Larson. It was a, a very well-deserved championship. I mean, he was by far the best car this year in the cup series, uh, winning 10 times. Uh, he won five of the 10 playoff races. So he, he kind of just got better uh, over time this, uh, this season. And, and obviously he was, he was the best when, uh, when it mattered. However, I don't know that he was necessarily the best car on Sunday. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to argue that probably Chase Elliott and, and Martin Truex Jr. probably had better cars. I mean, Elliott kind of dominated the first half of the race, but it kind of seemed to fall off a little bit there in that final stage. And Martin Truex Jr. and, and, and both Toyotas, him and Denny Hamlin, both had uh, immense long run speed. And, and so basically any time that, that we kind of had a, a run of about 20, 30 laps or longer, I mean, we started to see um, Truex and Hamlin really start to pick up the pace and, and, and make a cut into the time of, of Elliott and Larson, who had a, a lot better shorter run speed. But Larson had a great pit stop there. Uh, his last stop of the day with 20 five to go the money stop and at that point he was running p4 and it kind of seemed like he was in a pretty tough position to to win the championship from there so if it wasn't for that stop i don't know if he would have had enough long run speed to be able to or mid to long run speed to survive that last run saying you know if he came out third or fourth i thought that if if one of the two toyotas got clean air there on that last restart that they would probably be able to to, to hold on because when, when Truex and Hamlin got clean air there after, uh, after Truex kind of got very fortunate with, with short pinning a little bit and then beating off pit road by seconds, he, he had some really good short run speed in, 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 uh, in clean air. So I thought that if him and him or Hamlin ended up there on the front row, I think that, or P1 rather, I think that they would have been able to win that race, but it was Larson's pit crew got him out front really for the first time that day. Uh, with his great short run speed, with the clean air, it was just a winning combination for him. And the, and the race stayed green, and he was able to hold off Martin Truex Jr. late. I would imagine there's going to be some steak dinners uh, that Larson's going to have to work on for the pit crew or whatever they're going to eat um, tonight, tomorrow, and when they head back to Concord um, from that long drive they have ahead of them at Phoenix, from Phoenix. But um, just incredible. And you point out some great things, Nathan. And I think it's kind of funny, too, that Larson was only good on the short runs because 
his hallmark all year long has been excelling on the long runs. But tonight, today, he, he, you know, he thrived on the short run. But like you said, if the Gibbs cars were up front and they were on that restart that um, following that well-timed pit stop for Truex, I think it would have been a different story. Um, but the pit crew definitely delivered when they needed to. And uh, Larson's able to stand on top of that podium right now as we speak and um, celebrate his championship and hopefully not hurt his back trying to carry that trophy uh, because President Steve Phelps had to uh, assist him on that. But hey, I, I probably would need help too trying to lift that trophy to say the least. And Jasmine, I want to get your thoughts too. I mean, we talked about this before the recording of the show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this year's champion, Kyle Larson and his, his number five team. Talk about the redemption story. I think not even three years ago, I remember the chat was with everyone. What What's going on with Hendrick? What's going on? They're not really doing that well. They're not really putting up the stats that we're used to them seeing. I mean, this team has had legendary drivers as seven-time champion, Jimmy Johnson. You have Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. So for me, it's just, it's great to see the team as a whole come back. I mean, yes, it's great that Larson has won. I think that's really a cool redemption story considering like a year ago, he didn't even have a ride. But the fact that the team over at Hendrick overall has just, they have come together. They have built upon each other. I think Larson helped bring out like a competitiveness between each of the other three Hendrick drivers that really just really brought a lot of needed life and just a lot of wins and stats that they needed back again. It's just, it's great. I, I have to agree with Nay. I think if we didn't have the incident near the end of the race that brought out the caution that we did, I think that one of the two Joe Gibbs racers would have, would have cinched the win today. But on Friday, they even brought that up that Truex was trying to build the car for long runs. I mean, that's what he was going for. Um, Hamlin was kind of all over the place with where they wanted the car to be. So at one point, I, I was pretty excited to see Joe Gibbs like out in front because I was like, oh, is this going to happen? Hamlin was out for a bit in the lead. I was excited because Hamlin's been up on the championship for, I believe this is his sixth time. So for him to go through this again and again and again, I can understand where it probably grinds on his gears. But at the same time, I, you got to just keep pushing. I mean, like in Larson's case, like I said a year ago, we didn't even he didn't even know if he was going to have a ride. And the fact that this man has pushed forward, not just in stock car racing, but if we look at his dirt track racing record this year too, incredible chili bowl. I mean, all these different accomplishments. I Something that growing up as a kid, I could only dream about accomplishing. So it's just congrats to his entire team. I got to give the kudos to Daniel Cliff. I mean, I have never seen such a calm and collective crew chief before. Just there's an incident earlier this year where they fell way back in the field, but Daniel Cliff just took over the reins, calm and collected, explained to the team, the pit, hey guys, this is what we got to do. There wasn't an ounce of fear or hesitation. I think, I think that's one of the keys to their team that they've been able to stay relatively calm when things haven't gone their way, been able to build upon that. I think that's really key to building a really great team is having that confidence and that trust within one another to be able to accomplish great things. So it's been great. Loved it. 
I did too. I mean, Cliff Daniels has been one of the best crew chiefs I've ever seen in this industry. And I've known this for a long time just because um, his, her sister, his sister Tiff, um, we used to be teammates over in, on the year, early years of TPF. And she would often talk about her brother um, being a late model racer from Virginia um, and just the kind of brilliance he had as an engineer uh, type mindset. And, you know, Cliff has taken the journey pretty well to go and work with Tony Stewart, to go back to Hendrick, to work amongst the greats in this industry, and to finally have that chance to sit atop his pit box and have a driver that can basically take whatever he prepares for that car. It's such a gratifying feeling for him and knowing that um, his calm leadership, the, the you know having that trust he has with Kyle, uh, it really paid off. And I think of a quote that Larson recently said uh, about Cliff that I really thought stood out to me during Thursday's media day availability session because, um, well, Luis asked, Luis Torres, who's one of our columnists and photojournalists on site this weekend, I had him field a question about what it, you know, what he likes about working with Cliff Daniels. And Larson said that he's a really intense person, crew chief and really competitive, but his leadership skills are really good. I like the way he leads our team. Um, it's amazing. He's just great at what he does. And our relationship has gotten even better than I thought it would be before the season started. So, I mean, you have to have trust with your crew chief and it got a little challenged at times. I mean, lap eight, a lot, I, I wouldn't let me lying to you guys if I thought that was a crazy pit call by Cliff Daniels to say, hey, you know, you're running second, um, let's hit the pit road and change four tires while the rest of the field is not gonna follow you and, you know, have it work out because I didn't think it would be that Larson was going to have to craft his way carefully through the front, through all the shenanigans that took place mid-pack, and uh, it worked out where he got a caution um, at a time in, in the race in stage one where he could get back into the top five. Yeah, he didn't win stage five, one, but he kept in the picture, and I think it's what made the difference, too, to be able to win stage two and challenge in the final stage, although really, I mean, y'all say that Denny Hamlin had a good car, and he did, um, it was a little iffy, like you said, Jasmine, but I also have to argue that Truex really stood out to me as the best one out there. Um, and I can understand his disappointment for sure, but he still got some racing left him in, uh, left in him, to say the least. Um, and we'll probably talk about that in a different show um, down the road. I do also want to bring up the fact that this was a race of many finals. Um, the last full-time race for Ryan Newman, the last race for Brad Keselowski with Team Penske, um, and if you didn't feel like you were going to cry watching his uh, social media content, thanking Team Penske, I think I need to deliver some onions to you guys so that your eyes swell up watching that. Um, and also, too, it's the last race of the five lug nuts on a tire for cup cars. And, of course, the last race of the Gen 6 car. It's kind of a, min, you know, I don't want to say a maligned car. It did its job in terms of bringing back the appearance of a stock car. Although it went through different types of packages. At first, it was high, um, high horsepower, high downforce in 2014, and people loved that. And then in 2015, it was like we didn't know what we we're going to do with the car. And in 2016 to about 2018, it was high horsepower, low downforce. And then we got introduced to the package that we all know today, I'm putting this today rather, the, um, the various packages, like we, Nathan and I talk about 750 at these short tracks and then the bigger tracks get the low horsepower high uh high downforce package it's brought mixed results to be fair 
but um, I like the Gen 6 car and I think we're going to be pretty sentimental about it when, you know, we look back at it in 10 years and say, oh man, we, I love this race back in 2021. Why can't racing be as good as it was back in 2021? But, you know, I think there's a lot of sentimental feelings knowing that this was the last race with this particular vehicle. So I'm going to start with you, Jasmine, and then Nathan, you'll, you can chime in afterward. What did you guys like about the Gen 6 car? Were there things about it that could have been better? And do you think we're going to have this conversation in 10 years where we're going to be like, man, you know, the Gen 6 car was the best cup car ever. Why didn't we appreciate it? So Jasmine, I'll let you lead off and then Nathan, you can chime in. Ah, reminds me of the year 2014 all over again because people look, it's the same thing. I'm laughing about it, but that was some intense, it's so similar to this year, how you had a lot of rivalries going on. You had a lot of tension going on between the drivers that made it into each round. I think the fact that NASCAR was more aware of the issues that it had with its packages and it tried to adapt over the years to ensure that mistakes that had happened wouldn't happen again. I think I think that was a big one for me. Of course, it didn't always go right. I know with Chevy, I think that might have had something to do with how they weren't doing so well a couple of years back because their aerodynamic package for the car wasn't as good. But once they fixed that up, they did a lot better. I just... I know, I know there's people that now think that the car of tomorrow was like the car, the greatest racing package of all time. And that kind of cracks me up because I remember when that first came out and everyone's pooing on it. And now like with this car, it's the same thing. I Competitive years like this where the drivers are able to take the full potential of the car, be able to take it through. I mean, we've had such a variety of tracks this year. I mean, first year to bring out Bristol dirt. And I mean, look how that went. Yes, they didn't exactly keep up on the track the way that they should have when it came to competitive dirt racing. But the fact that these drivers put it out the way that they did, they put in their all. And you could see that each week. I think that's something about the Gen 6 cars that I can appreciate the most is like you were able to see how competitive these drivers were compared to past generations of cars. Like, yes. Our cars nowadays have more technology. Yes, everyone's given basically an iPad in between racing sessions to look at the notes, to look at the stats, to compare and contrast and all that. But I feel like with that being said at the same time, that what that's what brings out the drivers. The drivers are able to decide, hey, I'm going to go high this time because of the stats and this and that. I, like I said, just hearing and listening in on the radio during this race and being able to hear how the crew chief and the driver were able to cooperate together and be like, okay, so this guy's going on the high line now. So we got to go up towards the high line now. And being able to see that, I just, that makes me smile because like even 20 years ago, you didn't really have that going on exactly because things weren't as innovative as they are today. I, it, it's really exciting. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited for this next generation of cars. But for me, this last year, really brought up the competitive side between all the drivers. We've seen Michael McDowell winning at Daytona. Never would have expected that. That blew my mind. I'm sure it blew other people's minds too, but being able to see the unexpected within the field, I think that this package has brought up variables with drivers and people that have won things. I mean, look at Alex Bowman before he made it to the 88. He wasn't even in Team Hendrick and he did such a great job in Junior's car substituting for him that that's what brought him in this car has been able to give people so many opportunities and it's 
I'm excited for the next gen. I really am. How about you, Nathan? What do you think about um, the Gen 6 era? Good thoughts, by the way, Jasmine. Um, what do you think of the Gen 6 era? I mean, we've closed a book on it. It's kind of a kind of an interesting moment, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of a little bit more mixed feelings, mixed emotions. I mean, I'm uh, as you know, I'm very uh, anti 550 horsepower package, as I know very many people are, but me in particular, and I know that with this car, there's never really been much great intermediate to, to larger track racing so like on those mile and a half two milers we've just not really seen a lot of great racing just cars strung out more and you know clean air being king i mean it's always it's always king it doesn't you know it doesn't matter what track you're at but i mean drivers are so dependent on clean air on on those tracks that it just you know didn't make for great racing with with this gen 6 car however you go to like you know some of these 750 horsepower tracks which are basically tracks a mile and a third or shorter and we've seen some incredible racing you know martinsville bristol darlington all of those we've seen some uh, some really good racing so I, i'm kind of torn in, in that regard like i'm gonna miss the the short track package i guess if you will with a seven or with a with a gen six car but with the next gen i'm i have questions you know i know it's like the, these chassis for the next gen car are supposed to be made so you can really run on any type of track and there's some safety concerns and some heating concerns and you know we just really haven't seen how it races yet in, in a larger group of cars i mean we have that test at daytona where they have like i think six or eight cars drafting with each other and then and then the open test at at the charlotte roval but the cars weren't really racing each other so i i so i'm not sure like very mixed feelings about it. I mean, I hope that this next gen car is what everybody is, um, is what everybody's hoping and is hyping it up to be. But, but I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sold on it yet. Uh, I know that there's a lot of skepticism going into the car tomorrow. There's a lot of skepticism going into the Gen Six car, and of course, there's a lot of skepticism here. So we'll just have to see what happens. I think that NASCAR probably can make this right, and and we can figure out the best style of racing and to try to maximize it and make these drivers really have to work hard to drive the car again and just make make for some very entertaining racing so we'll just have to see oh for sure and then you bring up a really good point nathan about you know introducing these new types of vehicles in stock car racing um when i grew up of course i think it was the gen 4 or gen yeah, it was a gen 4 car and then the gen 5 would be the cot or a car of tomorrow which was kind of introduced in stages in 2007 um, mostly at the short tracks and the road courses, if I recall correctly, and the super speedways at, well, started at Talladega in the fall. Um, and Rusty Wallace was gushing over about that. And then in 2008, we went full out car tomorrow racing. Um, and it brought some interesting results and we got to see, you know, some video game type moves, um, that Carl, Carl Edwards delivered at Kansas, which kind of, you know, Kyle Larson paid tribute to at Darlington earlier in the year. Um, you know, for me, the Gen 6 car, I love the looks of it aesthetically because it reminded me of what the Gen 4 car brought to the table. Um, there were some opportunities it could have been better, but I mean, it's if I got to be my age back in the 90s, I'm pretty sure I'd feel the same way too about back then because, 
you didn't have races where 20 drivers finished on the lead lap back then. It'd be like a handful of drivers. And then like seventh place would be like three laps down at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So, I mean, I think it's interesting to grow up during these different eras, no matter if you're your age, Nathan, where you're kind of the newer generation jazz, you're kind of in between me and, and, and Nathan. And then me, I'm kind of the old guy of the group where I'm like, oh, you know, I love the 90s, but, you know, to be honest, I love 2021. Um, I thought it delivered some great racing. I don't know if it's because of the fact that we had show up in race weekend formats, but, you know, I love the fact that NASCAR experimented a lot in the Cup Series, having the resin applied at tracks like Nashville, Michigan, and today at Phoenix. I thought it made a difference in these tracks to make the racing better. Now, of course, I would rather see racing develop on the track naturally, but I mean, given the product we have, this is a whole lot better than the PJ1 product. I love the fact that there were different lanes that could be tried upon on the track and seeing that, you know, the door-to-door -door racing we saw today at Phoenix. I think at one point in stage one, it was a quintet going for the lead in stage one. And I thought that was pretty heavy action that I loved. Um, that Now this might be cut off because we've talked about segment one quite a bit, but, uh, you know, kind of maybe a bonus material question I want to ask both of you guys, um, well, Nathan and Jasmine, what is the most memorable race of the Gen 6 era that uh, stands out to you? I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts. I think the race that still gets me is Martinsville 2019, where Denny Hamlin did the, the famous track racing, whole, that whole thing. But for me, it just, it proved like, Nate said earlier with the package and all that the 750 low downforce package we have had some incredible short track racing and even even this year like last week with Bowman and Hamlin like who expected Bowman to come out of nowhere and win that and just I didn't I thought it was going to be the Larson show again and that blew me away so I think overall I think the short tracks were really what really took the cake for me on this gen yeah, I mean, for me, there's a couple of races that stand out to me. I, I still think of the 2014 Richmond Spring Race uh, that Joey Logano won, that Jeff Gordon looked like he was going to win. Um, yeah, I think the short track races, the Gen 6 card really shined. Um, now, maybe because it's still fresh in my mind, and it was my very first race since the pandemic, I still think that one of the best races I've seen with a Gen 6 car would have been the Charlotte Roval um, last month because it was just incredible. I mean, we saw racing. We saw people being able to carve their way through traffic. I mean, I saw it in person uh, standing by, you know, the infield portion of the track and knowing that, you know, dirty air wasn't really a factor. You could really carve your way through the front. And I just think because of the fact that we saw how the champion for this year really defined his season in that one race, because if he hadn't won that, or at least overcome that deficit that he had at the end of stage one who knows what we'll be talking about tonight as far as the cup champions concerned Nathan if you have a race in mind uh, um, certainly you can chime in if you don't don't worry about it yeah I mean I think one of them I'll, I'll, I'll say 2016 at Homestead I mean I don't know if those are sort of the, the, in terms of the best racing but you know, we were actually talking about this a little bit before we went live um, that race where Carl Edwards got wrecked out of the lead with, with 10 laps to go by by, by Joey Logano that that was very memorable and you know there of course there's a lot of memorable short track races and there's a lot of a lot of very memorable races this year I mean the Daytona 500 had a very <laughs> had a very uh, memorable uh, a very memorable ending 
Um, and then a lot of races here in the second half of the season. But uh, both of the Pocono races were very exciting. Um, New Hampshire was exciting. Uh, all the elimination races were very exciting. Martinsville, uh, Bristol, Roval. There, there's a lot of really good finishes this year. Indy Road Course. So those are more recent in my mind, of course. But I think I'll say the most memorable is 2016. Yeah, and um, I say the finale from 2016 still stands out to me just because it delivered on dramatics. And I succinctly remember watching the Champ Port broadcast on NBCSN. And by the way, thanks to NBCSN for doing what they did for the last five years, because all the cup races on the cable side for NBC Sports goes to USA Network. So thank you, NBCSN, for all you did. Um, yeah, the 2016 race. I'm holding a die cast, by the way, of the car that yeah. won the race. And it brings sentimental value to me knowing not just who won the uh, championship that year, but like Nathan said, everything that happened in that one race, I think, really defined the Gen 6 car. And um, we're going to miss it. But um, here's hoping that we'll see some good racing from the next gen uh, cup car that will be rolling out for 2022. We'll talk a lot about that um, in future episodes. All right, folks, now that we've talked about the cup championship and Kyle Larson's amazing run, we're going to head over to the next part of our podium perspective segment, which is to cover the Xfinity Series championships. So if we thought the Sunday finale for cup was amazing, we got a treat on Saturday night where Daniel Hemrick saved the best for last, as Vanessa Williams once sang, I think back in 1991. So sorry, Gen Xers and millennials. I know. Random fact. But anyways, gosh, did he ever pick a time to win his first Xfinity race as the newest champion? I made a joke with him at the Roval saying, hey, if you don't win a race, but you win the championship, would that still be satisfying to you? And and his typical Daniel Hemrick uh, friendliness, he was like, yeah, man, of course it's going to be a championship victory. I'll celebrate. But hey, he broke out of that 10 runner-up streak. Uh, and he did it in style for that Kannapolis kid. So congrats to Daniel Hamrick and to the entire 18 team. Quite a send off to him, uh, for him rather, as he leaves Joe Gibbs Racing and goes to college racing. So we're going to start off with Jasmine and then to Nathan about Daniel Hamrick's championship run. Jazz, now you have a lot to say about uh, Mr. Hamrick and uh, the great, great run that he had to finally win it. Do that backflip and uh, really prove it to those folks in Kannapolis that uh, He's like, he's here to be a champion. So what's your thoughts on his amazing accomplishment? I wouldn't say it's like a redemption, like as big as like Larson, of course, because Larson didn't even have a cup car to drive. But the fact that this man did not give up, I think that's what we need to look at. This man did not give up. He did not let his head hang low. He kept pushing, he kept grinding, even when things got tough. I mean, Look at the lineup this year for Xfinity. You have a lot of drivers that, of course, are going to be moving up to the Cup Series. But, I mean, you had AJ in there. You had Sindrick. You had Gregson. You had one heck of a stacked field. And the fact that this man, like I said, did not give up. And that last lap was a nail-biter, if I could say so myself. The fact that he was able to cinch the win between him and Sindrick on that last lap the way he did kudos to him good for him not only snagging his first win but winning the championship in one crazy swoop congrats to him on that absolute major props to Daniel Hamrick I've known him for the last five years and it's just such a great victory for him for Kenzie 
um, the whole family. I could not be more thrilled for them. So absolutely, for sure on that. Nathan, what's your thoughts on Henrik finally winning the championship and also getting his first Xfinity win? I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was shocked. I mean, I don't think a, a whole lot of people saw that coming. I mean, obviously we saw his um, uh, his, consistency, his consistency throughout the year, excuse me. Um, but I didn't think that he really had enough of what it, of what it takes to win a race and, and nonetheless the championship. I mean, a lot of times when, when he's kind of in the mix, you know, he, he often has some bad luck or maybe he's a little too assertive and is not, is not aggressive enough in the sense of, of trying to go after it and try to go for, for the win. But, you know, I, I think Saturday, he, just, he finally just got sick of it. He's like, you know what, I got to do what I got to do here. I, you know, might not always be the cleanest. But in the last corner, he moved Austin Cedric, uh, then reigning Xfinity Series champion, out of the way so he could win his own uh, race and, and championship. So impressive effort by him. Obviously, he's, he's going to be leaving JGR after this season, heading over to, uh, to Colleague Racing. So Colleague's got now a champion on their hand that they can kind of, uh, that they can kind of build with. So um, congratulations to him. Again, a surprising effort, but I think he, he, he's starting to prove everybody wrong in the sense that A, he can, he can win races, and B, that he can be aggressive when he needs to be aggressive. I mean, you know, Cindric said he never said anything about that being a dirty move. So yeah. I, he, he, he needed to be aggressive, and, and he was. And I love the fact that, you know, he's always been Mr. Nice Guy in the Xfinity series because at Martinsville, he easily could have been in the mix and try to go for the victory, but it might have cost him that championship four spot, given how rough and tumble Martinsville racing is. But he kind of took the um, took a knee, if you will, and was still able to get into the championship four. And I think that sacrifice uh, paid off to, to be in position at Phoenix. And yeah, I was shocked that he was able to pull off that bump and run. It kind of reminded me of the very first race I ever watched in my entire life, which will be another part of the show that we'll get to one day. Um, but I don't want to hold up everything on that. But yeah, I mean, I saw shades of Dale Jarrett at 1991 at Michigan with uh, with Hendrick's move. And I, it was just such an incredible, incredible performance to get that championship. You kind of mentioned too about his transition over to college racing, which, hey, they've, they've got a lot to be proud about this year, even though they didn't win the championship. You know, A.J. Allmendinger may not have come away with the, the ultimate crown in Xfinity, but he showcased his worth and value as a stock car driver this year. And he showcased the fact that he's not just a road course specialist. He can win basically anywhere. And if you needed proof to know that he's uh, he's going to go after it, just watch the Bristol playoff race and you can see what he'll do to win a race. Uh, so he's going to be pushed to the levels, I think, that he's never been to uh, with Hemrick joining the team. So Nathan, we're going to start off with you and then Jazz, you'll, you can chime in for sure. What can we expect from AJ Allmendinger next year, especially with the fact that you mentioned earlier that Hemrick is going to colleague and he'll have a, a champion teammate? I think we can expect just about the same thing. I mean, all he's going to do next year is race even more than he did this year. I mean, he's going to race about half of the, half of the season for, for colleague racing in the, in the Cup Series. Uh, for the, uh, I'm not sure what number, car number, but yeah, he's going to race, I think, around 13 to 15 races in the Cup Series, so he's going to have a lot of racing experience there, and he's going to be putting the car in opportunities where he can go out and win races, and that's obviously what we saw this year, in, you know, in the Cup Series. He had six opportunities or five opportunities or whatever he had 
in the Cup Series to go out and win a race, and he did it at the Indy Road Course. But going back to the Xfinity Series, though, I mean, just his veteran experience, I mean, he knows he can beat these rookies or, or some of these younger drivers just with uh, uh, with the experience that he has. So just his wits and his experience and his skills will be enough to, to get him back to the Xfinity Series Championship next year. And I think that if he, if he sticks with colleague racing here for a couple of more seasons, then it, it's a matter of time until, until Allmendinger gives his kids himself a, uh, an Xfinity Series Championship. And I think he could even get uh, in, into a position where maybe down the road he could be racing full-time in the Cup Series again. And I, and I think that he will win another Cup Series race. It could be next year. It could be the year after that. But Colling's got some very competitive equipment. Uh, he, the most competitive equipment he's probably ever had in the Cup Series. I mean, I know that's short stint with, with Penske, but obviously that's kind of its whole other story. But, he, he's again, he's going to have an op, a great opportunity in great equipment, and he's going to win more races in, I believe, both series. Absolutely. And uh, he'll have plenty of chances to win a Cup next year because he mentioned, I think, to Nate Ryan of NBC on Thursday that he plans to do anywhere between 12 to 15 cup races next year. So if we liked what we saw from him in the cup car, um, we're going to see a lot of that heading into 2022. So should be fun to see Mr. Tickle's father um, going for victories and hopefully showcasing. <laughs> <laughs> I always rib on AJ. So AJ, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, pal. I, I always have to tease you. Um, you do it back to me anyway, but yeah, he's a, he's such a great driver and it's going to be fun to see, what he'll do is he turns that next decade of his life, but still race like a 20-something-year-old with such exuberance on the track. Jasmine, I wanted to get your thoughts, too. I mean, Nathan covered a lot of good talking points about AJ and how his he's basically in the best ride he's ever had. And, of course, he's got a new teammate in, teammate in Daniel Hemrick for uh, 2022. So how much can we expect these two to push each other to greater heights as we head into next season? Well, just just looking back at this season itself, him being teammates with Justin Haley and all that, and just, I think what really took me, I wouldn't say by surprise, but what really brought a smile to my face is when Justin won, I mean, AJ, the rest of the team, all the other, you know, AJ, (laughs) he's not, you know, they're technically competitors, even though they're all on Clegg and all that, but they all were hugging each other, high-fiving each other and all that, and I think I think that's what I love looking on with this team as Hemrick moves over and is racing with AJ. I think they're going to build upon each other a lot. I mean, AJ has gone through so many struggles and all that, and Hemrick's gone through a lot of struggles too. And I think those two are going to be able to relate to each other on a lot of that, be able to not only relate, but be like, hey, put the stuff that we had with us behind us in the past. And I mean, look how, how it's been for AJ so far. I mean, He's won an incredible amount of races this year. He's won a cup race. Like, I don't think Kalig asked him to win the race. They're just like, yeah, have some fun out there. And he just went and won it. That was crazy cool. But I think I think that's what I'm really looking forward to with these two for this upcoming year is like them being able to build upon each other and being able to relate. I think that's going to bring not just them together, but like racing as a whole together I think that's what's going to build them I hope that those the foundation that they're going to be putting in on that will carry through from then on and that's something that we can all look forward to and see absolutely and I I really love the fact that you're going to have also the two nicest guys that you can find in the garage area working in tandem next season and I think 
as uh, Matt Colleg and Chris Rice like to say, we're going to see a lot of trophy hunting from Colleg. I mean, that team is such an inspirational story in itself to go from a team that would be just be happy to get a top 10 finish to being happy to make the playoffs to all of a sudden they're now able to go after championships in the Xfinity series. So it's going to be a really fun side, uh, side story to watch and primary story to watch in the Xfinity series as we head into 2022. All right, folks, you heard a lot of great thoughts about the Xfinity series. And I thought, you know, there's just so much to get to. We'll have plenty of other shows to get to what happened in 2021, but let's get over to the next segment, which is a talk about trucks and the season overall that took place on Friday night. Now, ben Rhodes has had a long road to be a champion, no pun intended, but he proved to be quite a formidable, competitive, and winning racer in 2021. He capped off his season with a truck championship, and ironically, he didn't really win more races, but he proved to be a good student of the Terry Labonte Mr. Consistency School. So, you know, Dorsort Racing, whether they're a Ford or a Chevy or a Toyota, they just win it all the time, I feel like. So, Nathan, let's start off with you. I want to get your opinions and perspectives on what, you know, Rhodes accomplished this year and basically how he was able to make it happen at last and do so with such a great team like Dorsport. Yeah, a little bit of a weird season for Ben Rhodes. I mean, he starts off the season with a bang, winning the first two races, sweeping, sweeping the Truck Series events at Daytona International Speedway, of course, winning on the oval, winning on the road course. And then he goes winless for the rest of the season, but his consistency put him, uh, um, put him in a position where, you know, he was able to just very quietly race from the round of 10 to the round of eight into the, um, into the championship four. And I remember uh, last week of Martinsville, I mean, the broadcast really never talked about him. I mean, he kind of just flew right under the radar, minded his own business, came away with, I believe, P7 there just to make it into the championship. And he'd already built himself enough cushion anyway, where he didn't really have much to worry about but again did he have maybe the best truck on uh on on friday absolutely not he didn't win the race and but probably the two best trucks were the two kbm trucks chandler smith and john hunter nemechek of course john hunter nemechek had his issues and got got damaged blew a tire when two or three laps down could never really recover from it got back on the lead lap late at just by that point it was just too late for him to race back through the whole field. Um, disappointing season for John Hunter Nemechek. Of course, he came in to, to win trophies there, with, or to win a trophy with uh, KBM. He won, I believe it was five races. Um, but ever since his win at Pocono, he kind of just never was really the same. I mean, he, he struggled a little bit to, to find consistency. Um, got wrecked here in these last couple of races to end the season. So a disappointing finish for... Um, for the season for John Hunter Nemechek, who had, had, who had such a great spring portion of the season. But, uh, of course, congratulations to Ben Rhodes for uh, a very impressive season. And also, thank you to Ben Rhodes for an extremely entertaining press conference on Friday night, him, him and his friend Bud. So um, I, I really appreciated listening to the highlights of that Saturday morning. So thank you to him for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nathan, you really nailed it right there with Ben Rhodes. I think that's kind of been who he's been as a race car driver. And it was kind of refreshing to see him unleash that personality that, you know, so few of us get to see um, beyond the TV screens and radio um, broadcasts. And Nathan kind of transitions really well to 
my question for Jasmine, you know, it's safe to say that Ben Rhodes echoed what Brad Keselowski did in 2012. And um, I think that's going to be one of the best championship celebrations of all time. But like I said, it's so refreshing to see him be so excited to basically just try to take in everything as possible, I guess, as a champion. So, you know, how impressive was it for him to do so against such heavy competition, like with having Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, and John Hunter Nemechek going for that championship um, on Friday night? Well, what surprised me, too, even more is that last year's championship winner, Sheldon Creed, didn't even make it to the Final Four. That's one thing that blew my mind away because, like, well, he even showed during this last race this year, this man, he he just had really bad luck of the draw. He got wrecked a couple times here and there. There are situations that you couldn't control, and that's that's what happened this last race with John Hunter Nemechek. I, I feel bad for him because I'm not going to lie. I was looking forward to seeing. I think he had one of the better trucks out of the four this year, and Lady Luck sometimes slaps you really hard in the face, or in this case, blows your tire out and laps three or four of the championship race. But I have to give the man kudos because he also, like I said with Daniel Hummerk earlier when we were discussing the Xfinity drivers, he didn't give up. That man pushed. And the fact that he went from three laps down, I believe he made it up to eighth, I believe, before the, the race ended. He climbed all the way from three laps down all the way up to like eighth. So yes, he didn't win the championship, but I have to give a round of applause to him and his crew and all that for being able to push through that. Cause if I were in his shoes, I'd shut down at that point. I, I would not be able to mentally focus back on what my thing would be, which would be winning the championship. Ben Rhodes might not be my favorite truck driver, but good Lord, the first couple of races this season, he did phenomenal. And that was great to see. It was weird to not really see him on the radar for the rest of the season. I'm not going to lie, just because he's had Matt Craft and he had Grant part-time there with them too. And those two, they they can perform well too. But the fact that he was able to cling onto the final four and he pushed the truck where he needed to, where it counted, I think that I might be foreshadowing for like next year. Maybe maybe he's got some tricks with his sleeves that we haven't even seen yet that this man can do. I mean, he gave us quite a show the first couple of races. So I'm looking forward to that. Matt Crafton being the seasoned veteran, of course, you got to have your seasoned veteran on the final four. And the man, even though he's older in his years and some people might say, oh, he's not good for racing anymore. He's proven his worth. I mean, we could say that about Martin Truex Jr. We could say that about some of the other drivers, like AJ and all that, the older drivers where people say, oh, they're older, they can't perform as well. No, they're performing fine. It shows that, that we have competitors in this sport that can go 40 years plus and do just fine. So I think that was great for him and the family. Congrats to them and all that, making it to the Final Four. But, whoo, this upcoming year is going to be a heck of a shuffle. We have a lot of drivers like Creed and them that are going to be moving up to Xfinity. So we might have a lot of fresh blood that's coming in. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with 2022. I am too, just because the Truck Series, I think, finally is living up to its purpose after some kind of stagnant years. You know, seeing Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill being promoted to Xfinity and being teammates at RCR, it's going to be quite interesting to say the least, just because um, I think they're both the most tenacious drivers in the truck series. And as of right now, we don't know what's going to happen to Zane Smith, but um, I'm sure he'll land on his feet, you know, whether he comes back to GMS racing or something else happens, we'll definitely keep you posted here on TPF Live, but 
he's got a lot to showcase for sure. And that kind of leads us to my last part of this uh, segment here. So I'm going to start off with uh, Nathan and then Jasmine. You know, Zane Smith, we don't know what's going to happen to him, but he has those two runner-up championship results. And it's not for a lack of effort. I mean, he drove his guts off on Friday night. And for a while, it looked like he was going to come home as the, as the truck champion. But he, he can take pride in the fact that he had a Game 7 moment at Martinsville. And uh, I think it's going to stand the test of time as to why the NASCAR playoffs is going to be around for a while. So, you know, Nathan, what are some of the qualities that Nate's, uh, that Zane Smith rather brings to the table that warrants another competitive drive, whether it's in trucks or maybe going up to Xfinity? Yeah, I mean, definitely, he, he, he always fights hard and works hard. And I think that he's going to find a ride. I'm not sure if it's going to be at a top tier team, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, he's, he's going to find a ride. Uh, again, I don't know which series it's going to be because, you know, uh, GMS, it, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago at, at Charlotte, they kind of, they, they expressed their interest in, in likely downsizing their truck series team in, um, in response to them going cup racing next year. So that kind of eliminates a couple of, uh, uh, a couple of possibilities there. And then some other silly season spots are beginning to be filled and, in the truck series and kind of looking at the Xfinity series, there's really not a whole lot of top rides remaining. I mean, there's, there's a few, there's a seat open at colleague. There's um, maybe a seat open at JGR. There's maybe a seat open at Penske, but well, you know, well, we'll, we'll just have to see. I, I don't, I can't see him in a top ride, unfortunately next year, but I feel like he's going to be in a spot in either one of those two series or a combination of both where he can at least be in some decent equipment and be able to, to prove his worth yet again to, uh, uh, to regain a, a top-tier ride in, in 2023. Absolutely, and I think maybe his connection with the Driver's Edge Development Program hopefully pays dividends because, you know, we got to see Sheldon Creed finally get that promotion he just so deserved um, after some relative years of obscurity before he, he won his championship last year. So maybe he can take some inspiration from his now former teammate and uh, – see what he can do if the opportunity arises, to say the least. You know, Jasmine, I know you, you know uh, Zane Smith quite well, and you've hung out with him on a few occasions, but I'm kind of wondering the same question for you. You know, what can we expect from him next year? And, you know, do you think he'll get that opportunity to either come back with GMS or will he kind of do a half, like a, an abbreviated schedule with Xfinity and, and trucks? I mean... Zane, that's the great thing about him. He's so young. He's 22 years old. He can still go anywhere at this point. I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, Kyle Larson, right? He's only 29. Who would have thought that the championship winner from one year didn't even have a cup ride to now being the championship winner? I don't, I don't know where Zane's going to go, to be honest. I mean, I hope with Zane, I know his spotter, Joshua Willems, who also spots for Ryan Blaney. They're a great team. Joshua seems to have a lot of confidence in this driver as well for spotting for him. He could go anywhere at this point. Um, I would like for him to stay with GMS just because I've seen the, the workforce there. I've, I know a lot of the people that work over there. I think it's a, they have a great, great thing going on over there at GMS. If he went to colleague, I think that would be another opportunity. I mean, he already would have like AJ and a couple of the other guys over there, like Hemrick and all that to look up to. And I think, oh my goodness, AJ would love having Zane over there, but 
don't count him out. That's what I'm going to say. Wherever he's going to be going next, whether that's Trox, Xfinity, or a bit of both, the kid's proven himself more than enough times. And I think he might be the underdog next year. It's something to look forward to. That's kind of been his story throughout his uh, young career is him being the underdog and relishing the role that, you know, he represents a lot of these drivers who may not have a lot of financial. I know he's got some financial backing, but I mean, compared to other drivers, he really has to work a lot harder to be in position to be with a team like GMS, to be able to have that partial schedule he had in 2019 with JRM in the Xfinity series. So, you know, here's hoping we haven't seen the last of Zane Smith because uh, he certainly delivers in entertaining moments like he did at Martinsville on Halloween weekend. So well, we'll definitely keep you updated if we hear anything, of course, about Zane Smith's future. But we're going to take a quick break before we head into the best part of our show. Not that these first three weren't the best, but you always know that every TPF Live always has a hot seat. So we'll get to that here in just a quick moment. Now, I've monopolized this show quite a bit, so this last part of our show, I'm going to let Nathan take the wheel of our car. So, Nathan, why don't you take the keys from me and uh, tell the race fans what we're going to do next? Well, hopefully I won't hit the wall here in this next uh, next segment with the keys to the car. But, um, but yeah, so um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, to, to sit down, if you will, with, uh, with Matt Benedetto here over Zoom. Uh, uh, kind of a special interview to, uh, for me. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit newer into the, the whole NASCAR side of the, of the media industry. So this was my first uh, one-on-one interview with, with, a, uh, uh, with a NASCAR driver. So I was very excited for this interview. Um, you know, the Benedetto and I, we kind of talked about his, uh, uh, his journey through NASCAR, through driving through some of the ranks of, of underfunded teams, um, his, his his oh so close to, to victory moments at, at Bristol and Talladega and Daytona over these last few years and then you know we just talked about 2021 his, uh, his up and down season uh, his tenure with the Wood Brothers and 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 what's next for him so I you know I don't want to don't want to say too much but um, it was definitely a pleasure to talk to Matt Benedetto so a, a huge thank you thank you to Team Penske uh, Wood Brothers. Uh, Ford, Jessica Morris for setting up this interview. So I guess without further ado, let's get into the hot seat interview with the driver of the number 21 Wood Brothers Ford, Matt Benedetto. Welcome back to the Podium Finish of the Podium Finish Live. I'm Nathan Solomon, and I have a very special guest with me here today, driver of the number 21 Ford Mustang in the NASCAR Cup Series, Matt Benedetto. Matt, thanks for coming on today. How are you, man? Doing excellent. How about you, brother? I'm great. So just before we get into uh, everything uh, racing related, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about who you are and for, for our listeners to, to know more about you. So, you know, what do you like to do outside of NASCAR? I know that you're a, a very physically active person. So what else do you enjoy doing? Yes, yeah, so I love, uh, well, I have a passion for fitness. So I love working out, um, you know, functional weightlifting and stuff. So we do, my wife and I, work out together and we're super blessed to have a, a home gym that we just got so that's really fun we enjoy that together uh the simple things like uh playing with my uh, dog brian here who's actually sitting right next to me chilling <laughs> so um we're pretty low-key and then you know aside from that i just uh i love helping people in general and kind of sharing my faith story and things like that so over the off season um probably be involved in some uh church oriented 
things to um, you know help spread some some good messages to folks. Awesome, awesome. So let's let's start talking a little bit about 2021 here. Uh, three top fives, nine top tens. Uh, obviously, there's two races left, but how would you grade your season so far? Yeah, I think we had a really rough start to the season, and then um, we were making some headway, and we made a, a crew chief change midway through the season to um, Jonathan Hassler, who took over our team, and really, you know, it doesn't mean one person, you know, like Greg Irwin was our crew chief and super appreciative for him and what he did. Um, doesn't mean one person's bad and one's good or anything. It's about the relationship. You know, it's no different than your relationship with your friends or your wife or whatever it is. And, um, you know, Hassler and I clicked immediately and our whole team really clicked. And we clicked off, uh, you know, six races in a row where our worst finish was 11th. And we were top 10 in them to death. Still needing that little bit of speed. Everyone probably say the same thing. Beat Hendrick cars. <laughs> but, um, but yes, yeah, so we were, you know, really clicked. And so the second half of the season have been strong, had a lot of really good speed, things like that. And just, uh, but again, really want to get that win. Been so close and have just fallen a little short um, on, on that tiny last bit of speed to, uh, to be up there for the win, but have been so close so many times. Yeah, you talked a little bit about Hendrick. And of course, you know, there's the parts freeze uh, uh, this season. How difficult has it been, like, trying to keep up with Hendrick? I big time, you know, because that's the thing is I feel like I've come out of most all the races and say I, I'm a little bit of a broken record. I'm like, wow, we had a car that could no problem run fifth to tenth, you know, and we can top ten like crazy. And we can always run in that or not always, but, you know, most of the time running that fifth to tenth area as long as the race goes smoothly and we don't have any issues. That's where we have stacked up and maybe some, you know, we can run up there in the top five if we really execute perfect, but just missing that last little bit. And again, it's hard uh, to make those, those gains, you know, there's not a whole ton of development. The box is pretty tight of what you can do and what you can work on. So, um, but we have been making little gains on teams been trying super hard and we've been really aggressive, you know, at, at Kansas and Michigan, we were trying something aggressive and it worked and we were really fast there um, I think we finished fourth or something like that, uh, but we're racing for the lead at times. It was really good, but then we tried something similar at Kansas and it backfired, you know, and we really struggled all day, but it's because we're being so aggressive trying to get that last little bit and win one of these things. And on a note of the crew chief change, you know, like you mentioned, you switched to Jonathan Hassler after Sonoma, you know, why did you, why did you want Hassler to be your, your, your new crew chief and, and why has it worked so well? Yeah, you know, it's just all um, kind of personalities and the confidence and calling the race and and the relationship is what's the most important thing. You got to have the confidence in each other. And uh, when I am telling him what the car is doing, just not questioning anything that he does and what adjustments he's making, just letting him do his job. So you have to have that that relationship and that trust. And that's where um, it, it clicked really well with us ever since the first time we worked together. So. Uh, so that's been, that's been great, man. Ever since he's, he's come on board, it's been excellent for our team. Doesn't mean one guy's bad and one's good. Like I said, it's just, um, it's an, another thing that shows how important every single person is around you on your team. And I, I relate it to football a lot because I tell people it's no different at all than a football team. It's just a little easier to see in a football field. Uh, but it's no, our sport's no different than uh, the quarterback being nothing without his receivers running their routes, his offensive linemen blocking for him, the defense doing their job, his head coach calling the right plays and calls and all the coaches and all the training that goes into it and the practice and 
of the preparation. It's the exact same for NASCAR. It's just a little harder to see. And it just shows how, you know, how much those people around you, how much of a team sport it is and your pit crew, you know, you're nothing without those guys. They make or break your entire race. So it's, it's truly a team sport. I like the football analogy. I've never heard of a, heard of that one. Yeah. It's an interesting way to, uh, to compare to it. So you've had uh, several notable races over, you know, the last three seasons, which you almost, uh, almost won. Um, running up front, the 2019 Daytona 500, of course, the Bristol night race, and then most recently, a couple uh, couple races at Talladega. So how do you remain positive through through all that defeat? Yeah, man, it's <laughs> such a crazy story. We've come so close so many times, so, so much heartbreak and, you know, finishing second, coming so close. Um, it's crazy that it's been that way, but <clears throat> again, uh, what keeps my me, my perspective in check is is, um, is my faith. Uh, so my relationship with the Lord and understanding just the perspective on life that I honestly, at your age, wish I had known. Um, that's what has has changed my life to where you have an understanding of knowing that life is bigger than racing, and and also um, I, I'm all in in what I do, and you want win and want these things so bad, and I will you know, die trying and, and hopefully we get it one of these last two races. But at the end of the day, I got to remember that life is bigger than us driving in circles for a living. And to also know that um, my plan and what I want, it isn't always uh, what is the plan that happens or what is meant to be. So I just um, keep it all in check, work as hard as I can. And life here isn't perfect. And you just got to roll with it and make the most of it and be appreciative for, uh, you know, for, the obstacles that that we have when in other places in other countries people are battling things that they they would do anything to deal with uh these these endeavors that we do so just having life in perspective is what helps absolutely and to get to where you you are right now with the wood brothers you you climb through the ranks of, of driving for some underfunded teams um, you know, how have your experiences with BK racing, Archie Say Hilaire and, and Levine Family Racing bettered you as a race car driver? Oh, a hundred percent. They've bettered me as a race car driver and as a, as a person in general too, you know, keeping you humble and knowing how to work with all the guys around you and having to always make the most uh, of what you're driving has been kind of my, what I've had to do over the last handful of years is always really uh, overachieving in small team situations and, um, you know, getting the most out of all your guys and being a good uh, positive energy for those folks so we can work hard and, uh, through those struggles that the smaller teams had. So um, it's really shaped me and, and who I am and taught me a lot. And I wouldn't change my path for anything uh, of how I've gotten here because it's taught me so much going about it that way and having to drive for the different smaller teams and seeing the struggles on that front. And it makes you a better person and a better driver. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty for you beyond this season. Uh, since since the announcement in July, how difficult has it been for you to, to focus on 2021? Uh, you know, surprisingly, not not difficult at all. Um, I was actually kind of glad that I knew early, like in July. So I was appreciative that they let me know early. So um, so really, actually, it, it helped folks like, okay, I don't have to sit wondering what am I doing? Uh, you just knew and then I can work on stuff for next year and then be just focused on trying to win for the Wood Brothers. And that's it. So it actually uh, is not that's not an answer that some people would maybe expect. But uh um, yeah, I, I looked at it and that, that aspect was just appreciative that I, um, could work on that stuff and just focus on, well, we have no other goal other than just winning. 
Of course. And then uh, what has your opportunity with, with Ford, uh, Team Penske, and the Wood Brothers meant to you? What can you take away from these last two seasons? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. It's been a, a roller coaster of emotion and, and, you know, a lot of hard work and trying to get the team to where we needed to be. And we did finally get it there, you know, the second half of the season. So that um, it was hard, you know, sports hard. And it takes everybody. And, and so that part was difficult that it took, you know, a while for us to, to get it to where, where our 21 team needed to be for us to be executing and, and um, stepping our game up a little. And we did. And so that's been awesome. But I'm appreciative for uh, the relationship with Ford. Um, our alliance with Team Penske is great. And also, I'm a big car guy. So I love being able to share all my car stuff. And with my, you know, my Ford vehicles, I've owned a ton of Mustangs, GT350, all kinds of things. Um, and then on the Wood Brothers front, uh, they are family for life. That's the coolest thing in the world. It doesn't matter that I'm not driving for them at the end of this year. You know, you're, they are family, um, truly family forever. And they are such good people that they make you want to be a better human being. And I'm, and I'm thankful uh, for the couple of years that I've driven for them because I've gained them as family for, for the rest of my existence. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then, you know, your, your teammates, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, uh, Ryan Blaney, what are, they meant for, what are they meant to you? Yeah, great people, you know, and they, they all bring a different um, dynamic. So I'll go to each of them for different aspects of, of advice, you know, and so I, uh, um, so they've been a big help. And, I, and really, they helped me with um, mostly, I would say, asking questions about uh, with our alliance with Team Penske, asking more questions about, hey, what's the right way to approach this? Or when we were, you know, going through this crew chief change thing, really just going through, hey, do I, how do I approach these things right within the team? And so actually more, a little more business oriented type stuff. And, um, and so I'd say uh, who I'm closest with or I have the best friendship with would be Ryan Blaney. We just get along uh, really well. So it's, it's, um, it's been awesome to be able to work with those guys. Um, you know, of course, nothing announced for you at, at this point for 2022, but, you know, you, you see kind of the route that someone like John Hunter Nemechek or A.J. Allendinger has gone on. You know, they went to to a lower series to, to try to, to get their, their careers, I guess, back on track, if you will. Have you ever thought about maybe going on a similar route? Uh, you know, I, I thought about this, and at a point I was like, man, I really want to stay in cup, which, of course, anybody does. That's the end goal. Um, but I, I had to humble myself and, and be like, hey, I need to pump the brakes here and be open to everything. Because, again, I don't know what the plan's meant to be. Um, so I, uh, I became open to everything, whatever series it is, whatever opportunity is meant to be. That's where um, I just had to humble myself and be open to all of it and see what's meant to be. So I don't really have a, um, you know, I, I don't put my needs first. I just kind of work as hard as I can to figure out. Uh, what's going to meant to be and that's what's going to happen so uh, again yeah seeing uh, what AJ has done he's like a brother to me and seeing what um, uh, you know John Hunter's done and things you just that's why I don't get too spun out about whatever happens moving forward because I know it'll it'll work out how it's meant to you just mentioned AJ there what what is that relationship with AJ how did that you know how did you become friends with AJ how 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 does your relationship I guess blossomed over the over the NASCAR years yeah, AJ's the best, man. He's, he is truly like a brother to me. Uh, we really, it was just from at the racetrack and driver intros and talking. And we just, we just clicked immediately because uh, he's such a fun personality. 
and uh, and he gives me a hard time about my weightlifting and stuff. And I'll, I'd always just grab him and pick him up and stuff when he's at his car or if he's he was with sponsors out of his car, I'd go just mess with him. Um, so we just have that relationship, like literally like brothers. And we talked to each other a bunch. And so we, um, so really it was just from at the track and we got to know each other. Then we, you know, hung out outside the racetrack and just became, uh, just became excellent friends because he's a very genuine, humble guy. Him and, and his wife, uh, Tara, definitely his better half, is the nicest, most upbeat, fun human being in the world. So they're just really great friends of ours. That's perfect timing to hear. You know, we just had uh, AJ and Tara both on uh, podium finish and the podium finish live. So that's cool to hear. Great. Well, Matt, I believe that's all the time we have with you today. Thank you for coming on for, for the chat and best of luck to you here in these last two races and uh, whatever's next for you in 2022. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And that was a great hot seat interview with Matt Benedetto with Nathan Solomon behind the wheel of our TPF vehicle. Nathan, great job not scraping the wall. And I see I don't have to uh, bring our car to service cane to uh, get the paint uh, all fixed up. So well done, my friend. I'm really glad you got to talk with him. And I'm sure I'll feature more interviews um, by you and the rest of our TPF crew. Um, before we do sign off, I do want to thank Jasmine for joining us again. Um, if you know, she kind of builds her experience with TPF. I know she'll be doing a lot of content about sim racing. So Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Did you have anything else you wanted to say to the fans before Nathan kind of delves out uh, with his outro? Uh, I had nothing other than uh, thank you all and make sure to check out iRacing if you're curious about it. It's a great, great racing simulator. So, Yeah, for sure. Got to love the iRacing platform and uh, a lot of our TPF crew does a little bit of that. So I know Jazz, I think you got to do some of that and uh, a lot of our colonists that do as well. So if you want to try to race against our folks, I'm sure you'll find them on the server. Nathan, you have any closing thoughts? It's always a pleasure to be on here. We've got, um, you know, next next episode. So next Monday is our really our first off season episode of the Podium Finish Live, and of course, you know, it's the off season, but this podcast is going away. So we'll have uh, a lot of great uh, content coming your way, featuring more more drivers and uh, and some more personalities, and even maybe some other reporters throughout the sport. So. Uh, be sure to stay tuned because we've got a lot of great stuff coming your way. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll try to get some of the champions from this year to join us on the program and hopefully get some of our other friends as well to join us from TPF and within the journalism industry because uh, I love when we get to have this great little get together every week and uh, talk to you, Bonnies, who are racing fans, whether you've loved it before or you're loving it now because of Nathan, Jazz, me just doing our thing. So with that, I'm going to close out the show and I'll just kind of let you all know that if you want to follow us on Twitter, you know me, I can be found on Twitter at Rob T. Onksen. Nathan can be found on Twitter as well at nsolly02. And then for Jazz, hers is a little bit more complicated in terms of the name, but uh, it's currently Jazz, J-A-Z 653086, which sounds like some kind of student ID. Probably it is. So if you are, I hope you haven't gotten your student discounts yet. Just kidding. Ha, 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 ha. But um, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today on the episode three of TPF Live. So on behalf of Nathan, on behalf of Jazz, and to all the champions in NASCAR, in ARCA, and everywhere else, 
I'm your host, Rob Tiongson. And as I always say on every show, let's go get the checkered flag and I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Hey! <laughs>